Lori just pray, uh, prayed for Mary Spencer, and if you know Mary, uh, she's amazing. Um, visiting her in the hospital, I have to tell you, she said, I, I, she's 93, and uh, she said, I just want to go home and be with Jesus. And yet, while she was in the hospital, she's witnessing to the nurses and the doctors and sharing Jesus. And I wanted to say, Mary, until you stop sharing Jesus, he's not going to take you home because you're doing an amazing job. But uh, Shelly and I were over at the house yesterday. She's like unbelievable. She has more energy than I do. She's, God is recover, she's recovering well and just doing great. And so praise the Lord for that. She's a dear saint to the church, definitely. Let me pray. God, I just pray as I speak your word that my words are not my words, but they're your words. And I pray, Lord, as this, this may be something that is hard to receive, uh, I pray that you will open all of our hearts and, and challenge, challenge us in the areas that we need to be challenged. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know some of you will remember a long time ago in a faraway land, they used to have these phones that you had to put a dime in to make a phone call. Uh, way before my time. Anyway, no, not really. Um, but you had, to make a di- uh, you had to put a dime in to make the phone call. And in the early days of sports talk radio, there was a radio show host by the name of Chet Kopik. And what Chet Kopik would say was if you were fortunate enough to get through to the sports talk radio show, he would say, it's your dime, it's your dance floor, meaning that you've put the dime in the phone, now you, have, you can speak what you want to speak about sports. And Chet was the kind of guy that um, if he liked what you were saying, he would let you go a little bit longer and then very kindly dismiss you. If he did not like what you were saying, you were very rudely dismissed. But that to be said, you had a limited time to make your point about what you wanted to speak about. You were on the clock. And um, that is how I think we feel sometimes on a daily basis. We feel like our time is rushed. It's, it's doing this, doing that. And whether it's going from kids, athletic events, to jobs, to, you know, you name it. Our, our lives are so cluttered with stuff. And we finish up the Habits of Grace series today. Now, a habit of grace is this, a God-ordained channel of his transforming power into our lives to grow our character into the likeness of Christ. How are we going to develop habits to become more like Jesus? And some of the habits that we've talked about are Bible reading, prayer, meditation, repentance, making a life that counts. And last week, uh, Pastor Jared talked about godly time management, living your life like you're dying. One of the things I've found over the years is this, that good habits such as working out, eating healthy, serving in ministry, these so-called good habits, they're very easy to break. If you work out for a year and skip a week and a half, you're going, ah, I'm good with this. But bad habits on the other uh, side of things, they're hard to break. 
If you have ever had a bad habit, and I'm sure maybe there's only a few of us in here that have had bad habits in our life, but if you've ever had a bad habit, it seems like it is just so hard to break that we keep going back onto it, whether it's a dependence on something, we keep going back to that. And so these habits of grace, we want to develop so that they are habits, good habits, that we grow closer and become more like Jesus over our lives. But today we look at a habit of grace called rest. And uh, the Bible, biblical rest is more than sleeping. It was knitted into creation where God rested on the seventh day. Ask yourself, was God tired of speaking creation into existence that he needed to take a day off? No. God never slumbers nor sleeps. Uh, But the world says this on the flip side. If, If rest is built into creation, the world says being busy, you are successful. And you are needed, and the busier we are, the more that builds our pride within ourselves. I am so busy, I am so needed, and that's what the world wants us to believe. And I see that in the lives of our our students in student ministry. I can guarantee that 95% of the time when I ask a student that is in high school, how are you doing, their response is, I'm tired. They're overwhelmed with life. And we all have this noise in our life. It's a constant noise. Our friend who drove a school bus for 20 plus years, she said, driving a school bus was really good, but it would have been great if there were no kids on the bus. (laughs) And, And that's so true, and we can laugh at that, but isn't that how we feel sometimes? People constantly coming into our life, making demands on our life, and uh, we kind of try to navigate those waters, and there's this constant noise wherever we go. It doesn't stop. You turn the radio on in a car to listen to sports talk radio, Uh, the podcast, the TV, and, and if you're honest, some of you, when you're in the house alone, you turn on the TV just so there's noise. To break the silence. And when we question somebody else's time, they come de- become defensive. They co- become frustrated. And so what happens is we both embrace the noise and being busy, and we hate it because we are exhausted. And this is an unknowing God that we serve. We are controlled by our, our calendar of, again, uh, of events So we worship the God of busyness. What I accomplish when I am in control of my life brings value to my life. And that is many times the mindset that we have. What happens with that mindset is exhaustion, strained marriages, poor relationships with our kids, an inability to serve the body of Christ. A 2018 survey uh, of the American family showed this, that the American family spends 37 minutes a day together. 37 minutes. That's not 37 minutes in one chunk. 
That's five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes there. Out of 24 hours in a day, the American family spends 37 minutes. And how many of those minutes are actually focused on one another? Or are they distracted by, oh, I got a text message. I'll, I'll be right back to you. Hold on a second. Um, uh, an email. Oh, this email. I got to respond. This is very, very important. I got to respond. An important call I have to take. It builds into the pride issue because I'm in control of my life. When I came to Community Bible Church years ago, my senior pastor said, get a planner, and uh, told me the schedule was very important. To document appointments and meetings because at times it would become overwhelming. And there are many good things that we need to put on our calendar but what are the great things, as Pastor Jared spoke about last week, what are the great things in your life? Pastor Jared illustrated that last week with the, the jar and the big rocks and the smaller rocks, about putting the, the big things, the big rocks in first and then filling in the smaller things. What are the great things in your life that you need to prioritize and put on your calendar? And can I say this, do not trade the great thing of family time for a good thing. As someone who has raised two girls that are now married, I do not regret in any way, shape, or form the time that I spent with them. The time that I went to go out to breakfast with them and just listen to their world. My daughter Taylor is a runner like myself and we still run together. We ran a 5K in uh, September together. But we would make time to go on runs together. And I remember this one run. She was dating a guy that I wasn't real. He's, he's a nice guy, but, you know, come on, Taylor, you can do better. And um, so we're out on this run, and we were by the middle school, and we're running. And I said, so what do you like about him? She goes, seriously, Dad, are we going to talk about this now? And I go, we got three miles. I guess we are. <laughs> But those are the moments now she still likes to run with me. We still have those conversations. And if you have a family still living at home, let me encourage you this. Moms and dads, I'm talking to you. Make intentional time for your kids. Make intentional individual time for your kids. Take them out to breakfast do things with them individually. Listen to their world. Grandparents. Man, you got like carte blanche with your grandkids. When you think about it, you don't have to feed them healthy. You can feed them all the junk in the world. Your kids leave and you go, here you go. I do that on Sunday morning with some of the kids running around. I'm throwing out candy and every once in a while a parent comes up to me and goes, what are you doing giving my kids Skittles at 9 o'clock in the morning? Hey, there's got to be some protein in there somewhere. But grandparents, you have this incredible time that you can make intentional time with your grandkids. Do it. Those are great things to put on the calendar. Don't serve a God of busyness. But that brings us to our message today. And our message today starts, and it actually goes in a couple different uh, verses in the Bible. And the first one I'd like to read to you is from Exodus 20, starting at verse 8. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what is Sabbath? You know, growing up, I grew up in a church that read the Ten Commandments every week. And I, I was good at keeping most of them somewhat. Um, but this one I really struggled with. I didn't like this commandment at all. And um, Sundays in my house were considered to be the Sabbath day. And uh, Saturday night, I had to come in early from playing outside with my friends and take a bath. And, and then we, on Sunday morning, we went to church Sunday morning, and then we went to Sunday school, and then we came home and ate a really big lunch, and, and then we had to take a nap. Think about a middle school boy wanting to take a nap. That doesn't work. Now I like to take a nap, but not then. And then we went back to church on Sunday night. When I got older, I pushed back and I, I told my parents that Saturday was actually the Sabbath and not Sunday. Again, I kept the Ten Commandments pretty good, but that, I, that didn't re go real well when I um, was pushing back on the parents. But my thought on that is this, that the thought behind the Sabbath and they, the way that they honored Sundays was well-intentioned. But I believe it became very legalistic. And I believe to a certain point it was Sabbath abuse, if you will. And we also see this happen in the New Testament. Jesus and his disciples were picking food in the field, and he got questioned, why? Why are you guys doing this on the Sabbath? He also got questioned when he healed people on the Sabbath. Why are you healing people on the Sabbath? And so this, became, this commandment became very legalistic also for the Hebrew nation, the, the Jewish people of that time. And so we ask ourselves, is this something that is confusing? Did God try to confuse us with Sabbath and Sunday? And did God purposely try to confuse us? A God that is a God of order and sovereignty, he would not do that. So what do we do with Sabbath? And as we finish up the Habits of Grace series and talk about Sabbath rest and renewal, what does that look like in the chaos of all of our lives? And some of you may be saying this morning, you know what, it was hard enough to get the kids here. You don't know what it looked like trying to get the kids out of bed, trying to get them in the car and, and on the way here. And, and we get here and we get into the service and, and we worship God with music. And by the time the service is over, my heartbeat is finally getting back to the rest mode. How do we dedicate a whole day to the Lord? Or is it only part of dedication to the Lord, the hour or so you spend inside these doors? What is it? Well, here it is. He gave us an example of something we desperately need and unfortunately 
we desperately try to avoid. You see, as the passage I spoke about before is in Mark 2, uh, 23 through 28. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, that is Jesus, and they made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are, you, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, and here's what we really need to embrace this morning. I want you to think about this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Man was not created for the Sabbath, but he was created to bring glory to God. Man was created before the seventh day. The Sabbath is the seventh day in the Hebrew calendar. But the Sabbath, Sabbath was created for man. God gave us a blessing of Sabbath so that we can bring glory to God. See, so the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. If you didn't know it, you are not a machine. Humans are not machines. And rest is something deeper. It is more important. It is woven into creation. And you can be as productive as you want to be, but you cannot go two days without sleep and still be productive. We are drawn to rest because we are created in the image of God and God rested. We are made for relationship and community, but we cannot do community and relationships and still bring glory to God when we are exhausted and we need to escape the noise. We need to rest. And God gave us Sabbath. Is Sabbath just the seventh day on the weekly Jewish calendar? Or is Sabbath really a blessing that God gave us? And it's not to be regulated to a certain day. God calls us to meet together and worship with him. And so we do that on Sunday. And that is good and we need to continue to do that. He calls for that in scripture. But Sunday's not the Sabbath. Sabbath is also not your daily devotional. Sabbath defined is this. It is to cease, to rest, to celebrate. To cease, to stop, to celebrate what God has done and what God is still doing. And resting helps us to be all that God created us to be. To be creative, to be resourceful, to be used by him. It reminds us of our limits. And in Deuteronomy 10, we see that God repeats the Ten Commandments. And you may be asking the question, okay, Exodus 20 just gave us the Ten Commandments. He just gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Why has he got to repeat them? I got it. Eh, most of us don't get it the first try. But it's actually a, a little bit different. 
In Exodus, it is connected to creation, but in Deuteronomy, it is connected to redemption and freedom. And we read that in Deuteronomy 5. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, I want to skip down to verse 15. Here's, he, he talks about nobody doing work in the house and stuff like that. Verse 15, he says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and your Lord, the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What God's saying to Israel right there, do you remember when you were in uh, Egypt? When you were a slave? When you worked seven days a week in the scorching sun and you could not take a day off? Do you remember that? Because you need to remember that. But I, this is what I'm going to do. I am giving you the freedom to take a day off. The Hebrew nation, the Jews, could not free themselves from the Egyptian slavery. God had to do that. And once he did that, and then he gives them a blessing and says, and now I want you to take a day off. God brought them out, and then he commands rest. And how many of you in this room today, myself included, are in slavery to a God of busyness? And God still commands rest. Let me take you to a story in the New Testament. It's a story of Jesus' miraculous healing. And Jesus is walking along. He's healing people. The crowd is just packed in around him. His 12 disciples are all there. And they're making his way. And all of a sudden, this lady, who has been bleeding for, I believe it's 12 years, hemorrhaging, reaches out and touches the end of his garment. Now, if you read back, and you can really see why when you look at Scripture, because in Malachi it says that when the Son of Righteousness comes, you will see healing in his wings. When the rabbi would preach in uh, the synagogue, as Jesus would do, he would lift up his hands to pray, and it almost looked like wings, and then they would flip the prayer shawl over their back, and the edge of it was the kanuf, the end of it, at, at the wings, and you would know that healing was in his wings when you knew he was the Messiah. And so this lady knows that Jesus is the Messiah. She knows that. And that is why she reaches out and she touches the edge of his cloak, the edge of his robe. She knows she's going to be healed. And Jesus responds in a way really, really interesting. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith that you know that I am the Messiah. Your faith has made you physically well. But then he says this. Now, go in peace. The physical healing was important. And he says, go in peace. And the word peace that he would have used uh, uh, would have been equivalent to the Jewish word shalom. And shalom uh, can't really be translated properly into English. We think of peace in our world as being free from conflict. And some of you are going, 
you don't know my car ride to church this morning. There was serious conflict, and I'm just praying for peace on the way home. I remember those days as a child. But it's not the peace Jesus is talking about. We're not talking about peace, dude. All, all's good. Um, we're not saying give peace a chance. Shalom is a wholeness in God. Jesus' blessing to her was holistic. It was not only for the physical healing, but spiritual healing. It was both future and present. And unfortunately, the church in America today, I believe that we have looked at salvation through the lens of Jesus as a get-out-of-hell card free. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I'm going to go to heaven. But it's so much more. If salvation is only that, then it's only for the future, and it doesn't apply to my life right now. But salvation is Jesus is for both now and the future. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed now to live that. But I've heard people say, and I've said it myself, because of the busyness in our lives, I'll rest when I get to heaven. And God is saying, stop. I have given you Sabbath for now. And as adults, we've decided that listening to God is less important than knowing about God. We have jobs, we have kids, and the noise of our lives has increased to such a level that we could not hear God if God shouted, and God rarely shouts. And we see the beautiful illustration in 1 Kings with Elijah. And uh, Elijah's in a turmoil part of his life, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And so Elijah does this, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. I want you to think about that. We don't think about this too much. This wind was so strong that it broke apart the mountain. The wind was so strong that it broke rocks apart. Now, I've been, it was windy a few days ago, but I didn't see any rocks popping. This was strong. But what do we see? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake We've seen earthquakes. I never want to be in an earthquake. I remember, I believe it was the 1999 World Series in the Bay, and I'm watching, I want to see game three, and all of a sudden my TV screen goes out, and next thing you know, we see the incredible uh, destruction that has happened in the Bay Area because of an earthquake. God causes an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. In our community, we've had fires at our hotels and different establishments in town and the devastation that a fire does to destroy a whole building. We see that. It's, it, it gets your attention. But the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah had the pout face going on. When you, when you read this, the people have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I am only left. Sound familiar to anything that you've said in the last year? Oh, the world is going downhill so fast. No Christians. The government's going to be doing this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Very few Christians left in the world. And I, like you, maybe have moments that we have pouted with God. But it was in that low whisper is where he heard God's voice. Instead of doing more, maybe we should pay more attention to the voice of God. I, I've told this story before. I don't know if I've told it in big church or not, so forgive me if I have. But in his book, uh, Stories Jesus Still Tells, John Claypool talks about his four-year-old daughter who he couldn't get to bed, and we've all had those kids that won't go to bed, right? And they need a glass of water, and they need their back rubbed, and they need a book read, and they need blah, 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 blah. And John said, I finally got her down and in bed, and I got to my desk, and I started writing again. And he said, I suddenly felt her presence behind me. And he said, I turned around, and I said to him, what do you want, honey? What is it you need me to do? And here was her response, this four-year-old girl. Daddy, I don't want you to do anything. I just want to be next to you. And John writes in his book this, I wonder how many times a day our Heavenly Father tries to get our, our attention, tries to quiet us enough to hear his whisper, to just be with us. And the truth is so obvious, but we not only stop seeing the truth, we avoid the truth. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to listen. But it's an adult deficiency that we have. And it's probably more common in adults than men. My wife tells me that. We don't listen. We won't listen. Tell me to acquire a new skill. Tell me to get involved in a new activity. Suggest a new book. But please don't tell me to listen. But we can't hear a whisper if we don't listen, and we have to. So what does this mean to us today? It means this. We need to take time out of the chaos and not feel guilty about it. Calendar. Calendar the great things. Calendar your priorities. Sit down with your family and ask the tough questions. And if you have a family at home and you're going here and there and there and there and this kid's doing that and that kid's doing that, and it's, sit down with them, pray before, and then ask. But don't lead the questions. Don't say, well, I know we need to put this on, your, on our calendar because you really like doing that now, don't you? They may answer yes just to make you feel good. But in reality, they don't want to do it. And they're only doing it to please you. And part of the pleasing of you is also leading to frustration. It will surprise you maybe what your family says. 
schedule a day alone with God. That calendar that my pastor asked me to create back in the day, three days out of the year, I had to plan a day to be with Jesus. I couldn't do any work. I, I, I couldn't take my phone. I could take my Bible and a notepad and a pen. And I had to go alone and be with Jesus. And I will tell you what, that first day, that was a struggle. <laughs> it's got to be three hours. I've been, it's 10 minutes. Come on, God, I'm waiting for you to speak. Let's go so I can go, you know? But I will tell you, after the first day, I couldn't wait till my next scheduled day because of that, the, the chaos, the busyness in my life. Get away with no regrets or guilt. Go away without the phone. And, and go to a park. And, and just sit in the park and be with him. Go to the dunes. The dunes are amazing. I, I love to take my student leadership team. Uh, we try to do it once a year. We don't always get that. But to go be alone with God. Okay, we're at the sand dunes, and you guys are going to go off and be with God, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Now, you're going to think this is a little creepy, but I really like it a lot, going to a cemetery, because all the, the people are, that are in the cemetery, they never talk to you. It's really cool. And this German Lutheran cemetery down there, I like to escape, and I will go down there, park my car facing east, because you have the prairie, you don't have the traffic, and I love being alone with God right there. Nobody bothers you. When you go away, pray and listen. Pray honestly. Listen for God's voice. And when I say listen for God's voice, if something comes to mind, you have to make sure that it is lining up with Scripture. Because if you go away and you're struggling financially and that voice in your head says, go rob the local subway, that is not lining up with Scripture. Make sure everything lines up with Scripture. And then when it does, apply it to your heart. Take your Bible, but don't go with a plan. This is not your daily devotion. Don't go with a plan. Just open it up. Okay, well, God, that didn't make any sense to me. God, just open up, just go with your Bible. Don't go with an agenda. What college do I have to go to? What job do I have to do? How do I handle these unruly kids? There are days that you need to spend time in prayer for those. What I'm talking about here is Sabbath rest. Going and being alone with God just to rest in his greatness. We just sang how great God is, but yet we don't want to find time that we can take out of our schedules to sit and be with him. Meditate on God's word. Uh, just read the Psalms. Pray. Pray the Bible. Pray the Psalms. I mean, there are some Psalms in there of David and other people that their prayers, they're beautiful. Pray those prayers. Hard thing for us to do is listen to the silence. It's beautiful. Write everything down with a pen and paper, and the silence may be where you actually start to experience the shalom of God, the wholeness of Christ, the wholeness of what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be brutally honest here. This message was hard for me to prepare. Because at the time I was preparing this message, I was being pulled in multiple different directions. I was trying to get this message done, and my good friend Mark DiMatteo was on the final days of his life. And I felt compelled to be at his bedside numerous times. So I would leave and I would go over there, and then I would come back here. And then I would try to work on this and get back into it, and then I would go back over there. It was tough. That with all the other responsibilities I had. And then I got a call from a friend, and I had been doing yard work. Uh, my wife was out of town at the time, and he told me about this situation in his life. I got done with the yard work, and I said, God, come on, seriously. What next? Are you kidding me? And it was at that moment I knew that I had to stop, and I had to rest. And as I sat there, I didn't even open up the Bible, but Scripture came to mind. And you know the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had been just teaching our students on Ephesians 6 uh, with the shield of faith, with the armor of God, doing it in his strength. And it was like God said to me in those moments, <laughs> you're trying to be a hero here. Dude, it's not about you. It's about me. It was a sweet moment. And I will tell you that when I left the hospital that night, even though I left a, a horrible scene, I left with this joy, knowing that it wasn't me, but I needed to be alone with him, completely distracted from the rest of the world so that he could teach me. It wasn't about me. It was about him. And so I get it. I get it as you listen to me speak. You're going, my life is busy, and you don't get it. No, I get it. And I even talked to Shelly about this message, and the last time I spoke in big church, I told you guys, hey, it's time to get off the couch and get out of your pajamas and go serve. And now I'm telling you to take Sabbath. <laughs> so is that conflict? I don't believe so. I truly believe that when we incorporate intentional amounts of time to stop, God will show us where he wants us and how he's going to use it, whether it's in ministries, whether it's in community, whether it's in life. And you say my schedule won't allow it. Let me give you a few ideas. The next time that you are going to go away to, say, an amusement park or a ball game and you're taking the family Go two hours early and tell your family, make sure you take our Bibles. What do you mean I'm taking our Bible to a White Sox game? Well, they need the prayer. But um, why am I taking my Bible? Because we're going to go to a park first. And I'm going to have you guys sit in the park so I can see you, so no creepy people come and take you. But for the next hour and a half, you're going to just read your Bible and you're just going to pray. And then when we drive to the amusement park or whatever... We're going to talk about what God said, what, what, what you read. Develop in that. I, I know a lot of you go camping. In fact, this campus is known as the uh, summer camping campus. Our attendance shrinks more than any other campus because you guys go away. And that's fine. I know you're going to other churches. But 
Before you go on a hike when you go camping as a family, why don't you stop and take an hour or two and say, listen, before we go on the hike, you sit over there, you sit over there, you sit over there, and, and, and we're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray together. And, and, or you're going to pray individually, and then when we go on the hike, you've got something to talk about. And I will tell you something. As those, that first date with my daughter when she was in a high school breakfast, it was tough. It was tough as nails. And some of your kids are going to be going, come on, seriously? The week that my daughter got married, she said, Dad, we got to go out for breakfast this week because we've been doing it. This is a habit that they need that is far greater than teaching them any athletic skill, any band skill, any kind of other skill. This is a habit that they need to uh, develop that will help conform them to the image of Jesus Christ. And it is a habit that they will carry on in life. Sabbath is a day... <clears throat> To remind myself that I did not make the world and it will continue to exist without my efforts. Sabbath is a day that I produce nothing. Sabbath is a, a day when at the end of the day I didn't do anything and I don't add. I feel so guilty. Sabbath is a day that I remind myself I am not a machine. Sabbath is a day that you turn off your phone, you don't check your email, and I can't get a hold of you, and that's okay. Sabbath is a day that I listen for the still, small voice that just wants to be with you, to cease, to rest, and to celebrate the amazing grace, love, and mercy of our Heavenly Father. It's your dime. It's your dance floor. But in reality... It's your time, it's your life, and a habit of Sabbath will create a lifestyle that puts what's important in perspective. So how will you take Sabbath? How will you take the blessing that God has given you and bring glory to God with it?